Indiana is the worst. Indianapolis um, is different from the rest of the state. That's the worst one. Of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, is, we uh, have a new state to pick on. Yeah. Indiana. Indiana. Hello, my friends. Thank you for joining us for the PebCAC podcast. Hope the information security show featuring some all around good people. It is week 28 of 2023, and I still have all 10 of my fingers. With me, I have my co-host, Duke Silver, who almost lost an appendage setting off fireworks this past week. You know, how dare you cast these aspersions? We both know aerial-born fireworks are illegal in Arizona, and I would never set those off. So if you launch it from your your drone and drop it, is that still aerial-born, or is that aerial-dropped? Mm, that's a great question. We'll try it out tonight. I'll let there you know you what happens. <laughs> and Glenn just found a loophole. Yeah. And speaking of Glenn, we also have Glenn Medina showing off the warm temperature in his pool. It's been a nice anywhere between 86 and 91 degrees in the pool of backyard this week. So it's been pretty hot. I think uh, bath water, dude. When I got home the other day, it was like 112, and the pool was like 91, 92 degrees. But it was great. When the sun came down, I was in the pool till about 12 o'clock at night, and the pool was still hovering at about 89 degrees, so it was really nice. Ooh, my little Asian raisin. Look That's at you. right. <laughs> All pruned up. Speaking of fireworks, though, oh my gosh, for a, for a state that's not supposed to have fireworks, or for my city anyway that wasn't supposed to have fireworks, it was going off like there was no tomorrow. I felt like I was in a war zone. So, Like the 4th of July? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, took the, we took the dogs to, uh, to, the, the, um, to the local Petco here to get groomed, and a bunch of owners were talking to us, and they were like a little concerned for their animals or their pets, saying that every year people pop off fireworks and... You know, they get crazy, and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. My dog sleeps through the night. Like, uh, they have no problems. So, my dogs are dogs miserable. Miser- my dogs yeah. are miserable about it. Yeah, I have, I have two Yorkshire Terriers, and they shake, and, and they t- I, I, we have thunder vests for them, and yeah, it's yeah. awful. Yeah, yeah. It's, still don't like it, huh? No, they hate it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe because I play loud music in my house with lots of booming noise, and you're just acclimated to it now. Just used to it. Used to <laughs> <it>. <laughs> just pop off a shotgun every now and then in my backyard. They're used it's, to it. It's, it's, it's pure good. heavy metal all the time at your house, right? That's, that's right. That's right. When's the last time you had a desk pop, Glenn? A desk pop? Oh, you don't know what a desk pop is? No. What the hell is a desk pop? Get, get your gun. Get your gun real quick. And then what you do is you just fire it I, into the air. I may or may not have a gun in California, so I don't know what you're talking about, sir. Everyone, everyone does that, right, Sam? You've done the, the desk pop do too, right? Desk Absolutely. Pop. Yeah, yeah. A yeah. desk pop. <laughs> yeah, desk pop. What the hell, man? All right. Oh, that's Our right. Guest. We have a guest. Our yeah. guest this week is Sam Curry. Sam is a vice president and CISO here at Zskiller and is the first adjunct professor we've had on the show. Ooh, the first? Really? Wow. Yeah. Well, thanks Sam, for having me, guys. It's good like to be to introduce here. yourself? I think you just did. Um, but uh, no, I, I've been looking forward to being on and, and, and looking forward to a conversation. I guess I've been in cyber for longer than we've called it that, and hopefully we'll have a, a great chat. Adjunct professor. Yeah, so this is crazy. Oh, Where you want to know teach? what I actually teach? Okay. Yeah, so teach, exactly. Uh, so I do. I do an on, I do an online course uh, through Harvard, and uh, but I actually teach active courses at Wentworth um, Institute of Technology. Uh, that is a cyber terrorism course, 
And I also teach just cyber at the master's level for Nichols College here in Massachusetts. I live in Massachusetts, by the way. Yeah, you know what I do with my free time? I, like, in the bathroom, I put the toilet seat lid down, and I took, like, a roll of toilet paper, like the long ones, and I put it on there. It looks like a cigarette, and then two more toilet paper rolls, and I kind of squished them down to make it look like eyes, and I told my wife that the toilet was smoking. So, that's what I do. You go over here and educate people, (laughs) and I just just make toilet jokes. I think, Brian, I think I sent you some of my courses a few months ago. They were like... You did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, I actually, I, I take the money from that and I invest it back into um, cyber programs for, for students in the state to help close the gap. And certainly students who can't afford to go to college, that kind of thing. So there's a scholarship at UMass for that. Oh, shoot. We have an all around new good guy, guys. Oh, that's right. It's all to cover up for the dark side. That's what it's for. Setting the bar for the all around good guy right there. Yeah. Dang. And three languages and 17 patents. What else you got up your sleeves? I have no, I, that's it, man. I played out. That's, uh, but yeah, it's, I've been having fun at this and I plan to keep doing that. So I got to ask, what do you do on your free time? What, what does Sam do on um, his free time? Well, I have, t- I have two kids and, um, I like, I like, um, uh, I like to hang out with my friends. I like to, uh, I, I boat. So I like to go out here in Massachusetts. Like I live maybe 20 minutes from the Atlantic ocean. So I go out whenever I can. Um, it can be quite rough out in the Atlantic. Uh, and I really, I really like board gaming. I like war gaming, those sorts of things. So I do that with my friends, especially in the winter. You, you ever heard that joke? The two best days of owning a boat. <laughs> the day you buy it, the day you sell it. Is that the, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, so actually blah, my dad, blah, my, blah. when I, when I got it, my dad said it would be a, a hole in the water I'd pour money into, but it wasn't, it was relatively inexpensive. Maybe the most expensive thing was the mooring fees. And then I actually, when I got rid of it, I sold it to a boat club and they gave me four years of membership, which meant I could take boats out of any marina in Massachusetts uh, just by booking it or calling them up and seeing if it was free and just pay the gas. Uh, So it was really cool. Yeah. So so I don't even want to share this with you guys. That is a super cool little benefit you got from selling that boat. But you can speak three languages and there is one word you've used today. A couple of times Uh-oh. that I that I no matter how hard I try I cannot say it. What is it? It's the state that you live in. Massachusetts. 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 I can't say it. I can't say it. Do you say, Anytime, do you say Massachusetts? Some people do that. They put a T in. So anytime like I'm beefing with the kids, my youngest daughter will be like, Hey dad, why don't you say that word? And I'm like, Massachusetts. <laughs> and just, everyone laughs at me and I'm like whatever and I try and try my butt off to figure out how to say the dang thing but I just, it just won't roll off the tongue for some reason I don't get drunk it drunk teach is the best teach that's, that's awesome. so deep. Maybe, maybe I'll try it drunk yeah you just gotta break it in parts but it, just say mass I don't think anybody yeah yeah Boston Matt that's why I always Boston yeah Mass. my grandma's yeah. from Boston Matt she's over from Wayland yeah, and then yeah just yeah but just don't ask me to say the whole word it just it's yeah don't do that cluster F Exactly. Hyundai. Hyundai. Oh. oh God. Hyundai, you idiot. <laughs> Combined, we have decades of information security experience. They're here not just to educate, but to entertain. Got four awesome stories for this week. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. This week we're going to talk about how to keep your mobile device safe. China evading export controls. For our third topic, Android versus iPhone, and close with 4th of July talk. 
for our first topic, the Prime Minister of Australia is offering up some good cybersecurity advice. But here on the show, we like to take things a step further. Australian Prime Minister Anthony Albanese said, quote, We all have a responsibility. Simple things. Turn off your phone every night for five minutes. For people watching this, do that every 24 hours. Do it while you're brushing your teeth or whatever you're doing. Now, that's actually really good advice because a lot of mobile phone malware, especially for iOS, is RAM resident, which means it will not survive if the phone is ever powered off. Apple's iOS operating system starts with a secure anchor of trust in the secure enclave, which means it can only ever boot into a clean version of the operating system. A lot of the ankle biter or bottom feeder spyware often used by abusers in abusive relationships to spy on their partners requires physical possession of the phone and spyware like FlexiSpy will not survive through a reboot. So good advice. Reboot your phone every so often. Does anyone else think prime minister and you think Cub Scout leader? <laughs> I, 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 I grew up with the prime minister, right? I grew up in Canada, so I don't, but, uh, you know, okay. So, so I, I was a boy scout, but you know, here in the U S you have what Eagle Scouts. Uh, every time I say what? this, people will yeah. laugh in in the U.S., but in Canada, it's not an Eagle Scout. It was a Queen Scout. People here think, oh, that's a strange title, mm. right? I guess it'd be a King Scout now with King Charles, right? But uh, yeah, yeah, so I, I don't think that, but uh, cer certainly maybe you do just from a connotative sense. But I always yeah. think not royalty, right? So Well, of there's a governor general, right? That's different. That's uh, Here in the U.S., we have... Um, Legislative, uh, we have the executive and we have the judicial branches of government, but in Commonwealth countries, it doesn't work quite that way. They have a separation between government and state, and then there's a judicial branch of government. So the, the, the actual government is formed by the state, and it's different. We don't have that distinction here in our republic. But so there's a governor general, and that's equivalent to a monarch in a constitutional monarchy and that's probably way too much that people want to know but it's pretty that's <laughs> that that piece of advice is not the only advice i think people need for mobile but uh i'll tell you most most certainly nation state hackers they can always crack a phone but persistence is hard because those phones are constantly patch and they constantly drift and uh and much of it is memory resident and so you can get on the phone but staying on the phone is usually the challenge Agreed. And yeah, typically it's like a border crossing. Like in order to cross a border, you have to hand over physical possession of your phone or to enter an embassy, you have to hand over physical possession of your phone. And that's typically where they can introduce some of this. Yeah, well, I'll, sh I'll, share a, I'll share a story from years ago at RSA, right? Um, so we found that some tokens were being returned back in the day and they had burn marks on them and we couldn't figure out why. And when we looked into it, it turned out that as people were going into China, this is over, this is like 14 years ago. As you went into the country, you used to go through a scanner, and those were mechanical Turks for the most part. Yes, they might scan, but it, they would inside, they, they would take the your laptop bag, lower it, look through it, and if they found a secure ID token and you were someone of significance, they would zap it. They would try, intentionally damage it. Now, the point was when you got back to your hotel room, you'd call your support desk, and you'd be issued over the phone a temporary access password. And so now you've gone from MFA to single factor, Right. And and the password's a relatively easy thing to get. So it, it's not uncommon. Just that physical access to something like a phone or to to a computer or to a token can spell disaster when you're when you're traveling or when you're doing something like that. Sneaky bastards. Yeah, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But they're not it's the only ones, right? It's nation state games. 
So how, how would they how would they burn it? Would they just zap it? You put enough shock zap. through it, right? I mean, it had okay. a epo- it had epoxy in it, which formed a pretty good a pretty good uh, you know capacitor or, or barrier. But um, uh, they had they, several of them came back that way when they were returned. Uh, many many were never returned, right? People just throw them away. Uh, but that's not unusual. Explains why my popcorn was always popped. I was bringing it <laughs> as a snack. And yeah, a but it's a fair machine. I, you know, get through, through customers. That's, how, that's how you know, right? That uh, yeah. you put a po- bag of popcorn to... bag through with your it's x-rays. Not x-rays. It's microwaves, yeah. <laughs> oh, microwaves, yeah. <laughs> Canary well, in the coal mine. Are, yeah, if your popcorn They're popped. often used, by the way, for listening devices, right? Because you can turn... You can turn objects into remote microphones, and you can use microwaves to carry this to carry the signal. So yeah, uh, you can pop your popcorn sometimes when you're being surveilled on. I could have sworn, Chris, that we had an episode where the, even the the thought of rebooting phones that there was still enough. There was a there was a hack where they made it look like the phone was rebooting, but it didn't. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. In one of our episodes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So there's there's malware that will mimic the screen of a rebooting phone. And I think on that episode, we said the only real way to know if it's rebooted is drain the battery all the way to zero. And then some. Yeah, yeah. And even then. Yeah, and then some. I think so if you... you have a iPhone, like you should practice not just like powering it off because I think they do some stuff that's still resident upon that reboot, right? Because it comes up and some of the apps are still a little bit persistent and whatnot. So I think you should do like the whole like volume up, volume down, volume up and power and do that reset. I think that actually clears it out a little bit better. I think I'd jiggle your toes too at the same time and do the do the hokey pokey. <laughs> so you mentioned the the trusted Kelly. execution environment, right? So back in 2013, NIST put out a standard for how to do that. All phones are supposed to implement that. Even even Android phones are supposed to implement that, right? It's not it's not unique to iPhones, but be careful because there's still a substantial double digit percent of iPhones that are jailbroken. In which case, that boot sequence isn't to be trusted. Yeah, if you jailbreak or root your phone, then all bets are off. They're you're already violating the hardware. Yeah, I was like sub iOS ten, maybe iOS seven was maybe the last time I jailbroke something. How about you guys? Uh, I think I was in seven. Yeah, seven or eight was the last. Probably the same. I've I've only done it in labs. I think it was six S. Yeah, yeah, it was such a pain. It was such a pain just to to get it to convert, and then once you did, just trying to keep it stable was my issue yeah and yeah every update would kill it and you have to find a new way and it's like tether you'd have to have the tethered one where you plug it in your computer and jail but it wasn't worth the effort anymore unless you really need it for hardcore research purposes i think that was back in the day when you had to actually physically tether your phone to mm-hmm. port contacts over now i don't think i've ever connected yeah. my phone to my laptop ever like it's all yeah cloud. it's all cloud based which is nice did i ever tell you guys about how i <laughs> so uh I'm not going to describe how I got all of the attendance to AWS, but it was in an Excel spreadsheet, right? And so I was like, oh, I just want to sort by everyone in Arizona and Nevada, and then I'm going to search for the uh, um, uh, title, right? And then I, I put the filter on there, and I saved it, and I was like, all right, I'm just going to import this into my iOS phone. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, why do I have 125,000 contacts <laughs> like the phone was hot and then all of a sudden the computer is lighting up too. And I'm like, why is this thing like it's, it's, it's a Mac, right? It's just it's like I can hear the fan on and I'm going there. And it's like address book. This is just like, you know, consuming all the processors. So I live with it for a while, actually up until like last year. And I finally got frustrated because every time I get a new phone or something like that, it would just spend its entire life 
trying to update the address book. Transfer the contact. Yeah, and transfer the contact. <laughs> so what I what I meant to do was do the filter, right? Copy off the context, put it as a CSV, but instead I, I saved the view in Excel and then I, I just wasn't thinking. All the data was still there. So the 200 yeah. contacts I really wanted yeah, to import, no, I got all 125,000. <laughs> womp, yeah. womp. Yeah. So let's go back to this. Like, uh, yeah. is it a good idea to reboot your phone every night? I mean... I don't put it in practice today. I think I don't think my phone's ever drained out of battery or the only time I've ever rebooted is when I feel like I'm having issues or feel like there was an attack on my phone when I clicked on something that I shouldn't have. Um, it certainly can't help. It's a hurt rather. And, and what I've noticed is that sometimes there's bad memory management on phones. And so it's probably a good idea, especially if you're running a lot of things in background processes. It's probably a good idea anyway just for efficiency. And, you, and your, if your battery's draining fast, you might just be running too much stuff, right? So it's probably a good idea to just go tabular. I don't know about daily, but uh, it certainly couldn't hurt. Yeah, every so often I think it's good. Yeah. Does anyone here like, grab uh, their daughter's, their child's, or their spouse's like uh, phone? They're like, ah, this thing's so slow. And then you, you open up Safari and they have 512 tabs open. But like, like two, like how about two thousand tabs? Oh man, I knew you were gonna one up me. All right. Yeah. Good or how about my right wife here. that's got seventy four thousand unread emails? Oh, <laughs> so it's like oh, the God. inbox. The inbox that boggles the mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Gotta declare bankruptcy at that point. Just delete everything. It's like here, I, I signed you up for a new emails. What I told her. So, <laughs> I, I, have you ever received one of those yeah. emails? Someone actually declares email bankruptcy. I've received one, and and you get one. It says. I've declared email bankruptcy. If you've sent me anything before this date, please send me another email. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've got one of those about that. five years I've, ago. I've read about yeah, it. Yeah. I've never gotten yeah. it. Yeah. I'm going to do that to Craigslist. Never mind. <laughs> so here's a few th other things that Sofo suggests you do to protect your mobile device. We already mentioned this one. Patch to the latest software updates. Always patch. That closes the vulnerabilities. Uninstall apps you don't use. That severely reduces oh, that's a huge your one. attack yeah, surface. Yeah. Yeah. Log out of any apps you don't frequently use. Now that we have password managers, it's trivial to log back in because when you're logged in, it collects way more data on you than when you're not logged in. Uh, review the privacy settings. If a phone, an app doesn't need microphone and camera access, they should not have that. And then the last one goes without saying, set a passcode for your phone. So in your notes here, you said that Burger King app does need, you know, the microphone or ca camera access, which I agree. But... On Monday, I made the determination to stop and actually eat Burger King for lunch. And let me tell you, a Whopper with cheese is just, just that much better. So go <laughs> yeah. for it. So, so when you when you sometimes you're in a situation where it's like it's do you want to use this app or not, right? And 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 mm -hmm. it's like in the old days with personal firewalls, they'd be like such and such is trying to communicate. Do you want to allow this? And people have no basis on which to make that decision for the most part. Yeah. And it's like, hey, I just installed something. Yeah. And it boils down to, do you really want to use that app? And if you, if the answer is yes, you're going to allow it, right? Um, and so then it boils down to, do you trust the brand? And so in the case of your Burger King example, it's like, well, is Burger King really going to be spying on me? Is probably what goes through people's minds. And, I, and they don't read the EULA, and they're not really reading the privacy statements. So it, it, these things, no matter what the advice, they don't, they don't do it. Probably the most sound advice from that Sophos list was uninstall stuff you don't use, and. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, remove things you don't need. That, that's probably the best. Do you guys have that setting that basically isolates apps, like basically puts them in the cloud if you don't use them very often? Yeah. 
Yeah, offload. I like that. That's a that that's a trigger to me to just like okay, if I haven't touched you and it has to load, you're getting uninstalled. Yeah, yeah, yucky. Yeah, and even for apps that you trust today, it doesn't mean you're gonna trust it tomorrow. Like there have been documented cases of supply chain attacks with malicious updates getting pushed out. Like even if you trust Burger King, but Burger King outsource this app to a third party company, that third party company gets breached, and then now they're pushing a malicious update to the Burger King app that's not going to turn on your mind. Or they have an insider, or they get yeah. acquired, or something in their supply chain gets compromised, mm-hmm. and so on. Yeah, yeah it's always but best. Which is your most useless app right now on your phone? If you had to delete something. Yeah. If I, I had to delete look something. At my phone, I know, I'd have to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just cleaned it up, so. <laughs> so I want those social media Facebook. Yeah. I stopped logging into Facebook like months ago. Uh, I could Clubhouse, probably delete that. Yeah. No one, I wouldn't miss For it. For me, it'd be Clubhouse. That was really cool, you know, three years ago, but now with Twitter What's Spaces. What's Clubhouse? Is that audio-only app where Penthouse you... Penthouse Clubhouse? Where you, mm. like... They had famous people. They had Mark Zuckerberg, they had Elon Musk, and people just joined this. It, it was like a one-to-many chat voice audio-only app, and then Twitter stole their idea and built into their app. It's called Twitter Spaces now, and it's Clubhouse yeah. is useless now. Yeah, you know what I don't like? I, I don't like the fact that like if I buy tickets to any shows, they force me to install like Ticketmaster or like the MLB baseball game app, the baseball app. I'm like... I just want tickets. Can you just freaking send it to me by email? I don't want to have to show. I don't want to install an app on my phone just for that. Just delete so, it when you're done. Yeah. I'm going to have to say that my Taco Bell app, Chris, I know you still use yours all the time, but that one's got to go. <laughs> I just looked through and I can't. I just cleaned it up, so I really have nothing valuable to add there. But I did just remove a bunch of stuff. Uh, Sam already purged. Yeah, I purged. I'll just go with like GarageBand or something, you know, something standard that's on there. I got rid of that as soon as I got the phone. Yeah. I should get rid of of email. I should get rid of that. Yeah. Do you guys have a most used app on your reports? What do you guys have that's your most used report? It's Kindle app for me. Really? Yeah. It was Apollo until he killed it. So I don't know what it is now. Mine's Spotify. Mine's YouTube. <laughs> that actually lines up pretty well, but all for all three of you, that lines up actually really well. <laughs> Why read when you could just watch? <laughs> so then again, there goes my vocabulary. So yeah. All right. For our second topic, the Wall Street Journal had a really interesting article on how Chinese companies are avoiding U.S. chip export sanctions by simply renting compute from the major cloud providers. The U.S. put an export control on cutting-edge chip technology to China, fearing they would use it for malicious or military purposes, and also to keep the U.S. ahead in the chip's arms race. There's also the geopolitical concern that China will invade Taiwan. Cutting edge chips like the NVIDIA A100 or the H100 are used for AI to train their models and handle the massive compute required for the new boom in AI. Instead of a Chinese company circumventing the export rules, just the rule today is you cannot export an A100 or an H100 to China. They're just simply renting these GPUs from US-based AWS and Azure clouds, which is perfectly legal. To combat that, combat this, a proposed rule in the US would require Amazon and Microsoft to seek permission from the US government before allowing Chinese-based companies access to these advanced chips in their respective cloud services. 
is this going to open up another cat and mouse game where Chinese companies will set up U.S. front companies in some type of Trace Buster Buster situation? You know, they say if you can't beat them, rent it, apparently. Um, <laughs> I think that uh, maybe this stupid rule came out. Like, the only thing that's going to happen is AWS and Azure are going to be like, yeah, we can do that. Just know they're going to have to pay us what we would have been making had they rented it from us in the first place. Yeah. So a loss of revenue. So I'm going to make money from this. I've got a kind of cynical perspective on this. They're going to, they're going to get it anyway. Right. Yeah. And, and so putting export controls on it helps to monitor to some degree, but allowing this means that you can actually monitor spikes in CPU. It's pretty obvious when somebody is doing this sort of research. And if you're smart about it, then you can tap into the number one country doing AI research right now, and you can spy on it. I'm just putting it out there. Um, you know, so if I were of a... That right now, the of, Great Firewall just shut down. They're like, what the hell? They're onto us. Yeah, exactly. Well, so so if, you look at, if you look at the academic publications in AI, by far the majority of them are coming out, or at least the largest share in the world are coming out of China. And... We want to know as much as possible in the rest of the world what is happening and how that research is progressing. Not just what's published, but what's not published. So if there's an easy, cheap way to gain access to those without them having to import them illicitly, let them do it and then figure out ways to keep track of it. Now, that's just me being cynical and putting that out hypothetically, of course, but uh, yeah. Well, we know we know that Amazon did that, right? Like they, they cut or people would do like their own little Amazon stores or not even have to be hosting up whatever. And then Amazon would see popularity and then go in there and just buy up the company from a competitive standpoint. Like they see the back end, right? They, they can they can position very well. So yeah. I guess U.S. lawmakers, we look at it this way. Like this is a great opportunity for us to spy. Us really is Amazon and Microsoft, not the U.S. government. Yeah, the big five. Yeah. yeah. The big five. Yeah, exactly. What, what's yeah, the verbiage? Yeah, these companies. Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Exactly. Exactly. Works. Did we all forget about the VIG? You have to pay China. Like there, there are so many U.S. companies that are in China today, and they're sending stuff over there. And then when it arrives, you're like, "We need two hundred computers, right?" And then it gets to the docking station, and only a hundred arrive. Like I, I guarantee you, some of these A one hundred and H one hundreds are just being swallowed up right there at at, uh, at their border or customs. They fell off the boat. Yeah, <laughs> uh, this has been happening for this has been happening for years, long before computers. Uh, things like. Uh, Quartz crystals for doing laser research in the 60s and 70s used to get waylaid in the mail, right, when it was being ordered because on the way a country needed to do some research between origin and destination. Mm -hmm. the, the UK did that, for instance. There was a story, though. Know, was it? It. There was a story the other day. I thought I saw it on YouTube or something where they like chip manufacturers were like having a, a rash of thefts of chips being stolen, being sent to China being put into computers and then being sold back to the U.S. I was like, oh, that's an interesting way to do things there. That's a racket. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a real racket. I mean, like, how many chips are getting stolen? So apparently they were stealing them from these facilities, and then they they, they beefed up the security there, and then they started stealing them direct off of trucks. But I was like, that is a lot of chips. Like, if you're thinking about it, like, to the tunes of millions and millions and millions of dollars. But, yeah. Crazy. Like some fast and furious stuff. Are they hijacking like big rigs now with yeah. Honda Civics? Well, there's a, there's a, there's a lot more yeah. redundancy now in the in the in the chip supply chain, and actually there's a surplus of graphic of GUIs as opposed to of, of GPUs rather than CPUs. So there's a, there's a you know and we're not we're not quite as at the mercy of Taiwan now. 
Uh, I, I, don't, I don't mean that in a negative way. There's still, you know, an allied, an allied country and everything else, but there are other places you can source it. Because if you remember the Saudi Aramco hit, took out 30,000 systems. Yeah. Uh, and and just the immediate demand to replace those systems absolutely took out the hard drive and chip market for like a month or two. It was impossible to find supply. Yeah, they flew to Thailand and flew back with pallets of these hard yeah. drives. I yeah. remember that. And it's out by you, Brian. The chip foundries that are going to come online in the next couple of years are all out in Arizona. They're right there, yeah. Wow. Yeah, my back door. But think about it, like You think like Fast and the Furious, like some sort of sophisticated attack... I guarantee you this pipe rolling up to a truck said like, hey, man, we know what you got on here. Why don't you just look the other way? We're going to do some stuff. Here's, here's some money. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to go in here and eat some eggs. I'll see you guys in a little bit. And then we'll boom, pay you in lead or gold. It's the old, the old saying. Well, you can have yeah. lead or you can have gold. Exactly. Well, it is China. They could also mess with your social credit score. It says if you want to help the government or do you want to not be able to buy bread next week? You know how screwed I would be if I went to China? They're like, we already have a, China, a social score for you, Brian. I'm like, God oh, damn it, I'm not leaving, am I? <laughs> you gotta, you got to work so, that, so let, that just, out the rest of your life. Let's just say after the RSA breach and after the OMB breach, I can't go in there. Like, that's just not happening. Yeah. Suffice to say. For our third topic, I want to get Sam's take on this topic hmm. as a CISO and a good security practitioner. Mobile security firm Zimperium, they have a 2023 global mobile threat report. They found the average number of unique mobile malware samples grew 51% in 2022, totaling an average of 77,000 unique malware samples found every month. According to Zimperium's research, the Android operating system has seen about 500 to 900 vulnerabilities disclosed per year that threat actors can target. Whereas iOS only sees about 300 vulnerabilities in five of the last eight years. We've talked about it on the show before. iOS is way more secure than even the most secure Android device, at least in our opinion. Should companies ban the use of Android phones if they actually care about security? You sure, hold on. You sure that's not just SEs in a lab just changing a couple of hashes or a couple of files and then, and then that's what's doubling it, you know, growing it to 51%? Yeah, no. Uh, but, 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 but so so let's let, let's put that in perspective, right? The um, so, so years ago, first of all, years ago, I did a um, I tried to come up with a, a a mathematical expression for what incents people using game theory to attack one platform or another. And there's a bunch of factors, but one of its prevalence. And for all that that uh, that iPhone is very very popular with the security set, it's only about a quarter of the of the mobile market. So it is the largest single provider. But 70, 70 to 75% in that range is Android. And so one of the things you do as a bad guy is you go, so who, who's got, who should I target, right? Part of it's how difficult is it to hit, to hack. Part of it is also how many people are using it, right? How, how many people know how to develop for it and so on. So you would expect just from the prevalence, you'd expect it to skew towards Android anyway. Now, those numbers, I, I double-checked them, by the way, earlier. Uh, they're about right. It's about one vulnerability a day for iOS and two to three for Android. That's not a smoking gun. That's not, that doesn't say just shoot the other one. Um, and actually, what's hidden in there is that Android has been improving. So it went from eight, 860 in 2019 to like 550 in, 20, in 2021. 
So it's been coming down, but it is still worse than iOS. So the reason I would say no, because that was quite a provocative question, is, <laughs> is, is what we want is um, options and competition. Um, I think if we, had a, if we have a homogenous attack, if we had a homogenous attack surface, it would incent them to put all their attack development resources on the dark side into going after it. And we would see a spike in vulnerabilities for iOS and then what, right? Because then a single vulnerability would expose far, far more people. Um, what we should instead do is encourage each of these companies that are supplying it to, to treat it as a priority and put pressure on them that way. And, and you can still get a secure Android device or at least a more secure, I'm not gonna, not gonna say in absolute terms. Um, so you can still be vulnerable on iOS. So uh, the answer, my strong answer to that is no, but I'd love to hear what others think. I think part of the closing of the vulnerabilities in Android was a Google in part of Google. So Google manages the operating oh, yeah, system. Oh yeah, they it seriously. Yeah. Yeah. They have to buy by Google's service. You want to put this OS on your device. And one of the, their terms, I, I only a year ago, they put it out. They said, if you use Android on your hardware, you have to supply security updates for X number of years after it's become end of life. Because with Android six, I remember it was just, if you're on AT&T, you got the update. If you're on T-Mobile, you didn't get the update, even though it's physically the same phone. It was just this huge patchwork of, can I update? Can I not update? When can I update? Is it a month after AT&T? And now Google's the standard platform. Everybody has to offer security updates for X number of Well, this is a bigger issue. After. This is bigger for IoT. I just Actually, I just published on this recently. It's you know your typical IoT startup. Let, let's imagine they're going to be around for three or four years till they sell or go out of business, right? But their products could live for decades. And so yeah. there, there's no incentive for them to have any form of survivability for maintenance and for security updates. So that's a, that, that's a big issue and it's going to get worse over time. So how do you agree? Oh, yeah. How, how do you see that portraying out though, right? I mean, because people are buying into these, they're buying IoT, the life expectancy, they, they know they're buying from a startup, but let's let's be real at like, it's probably not going to last more than five years, but yet these devices are out there and they continue to be out there persist for like 10 plus years. Right? Well, uh, there's, there's ways to do it. Um, however, they're not incented to. If you go back and look at, you know, catalytic converters for cars, you know, originally the car seller was happy to sell the car without one. And the mm -hmm. buyer was happy to buy one without one. And I, I hate regulations as much as anyone else. But until somebody said, hey, you need to be thinking about the air quality, nobody did. And so there could be a degree of that, which means that the private sector has got to get ahead of it a little bit. And business models can exist that say there can be an aftermarket uh, ability for other companies to provide services with, with a royalty structure back to the startup. So for instance, it, you could say, hey, my new camera's on the market. And there are three companies that will provide services and updates for a fee per year, and they get a chunk of it. So it's in their financial interest to do so, but it's more complex than how they would otherwise go to market. And yeah. most of them are not intended to do it right now. So there has to be some pressure to make that happen yeah. or it simply won't. Yeah. I mean, if you look, I mean, I think Brian had a bunch of Blake cameras that went offline last year, right? And all that big investment that you had in that company has just kind of gone down the drain. Yeah, it was weak. Wink. The, it was the API <laughs> went down. Yeah. And yeah, it took a dump. And like, in, it was like almost for like two weeks. And I was like, I, I, I pulled out. I was, I'm done. We got to move on. But, you know, to, uh, you know, I think you're onto something here, Sam, with the, the whole Microsoft method. In a survey I made up for this podcast, Apple does own like 
15, 25% of the market share. So I think, uh, you know, the bigger, the, the prevalence really is the, is the target. And the more devices you have out there, the, the better it is for the attackers. And then even if you do say you're going to support something for X amount of years, my aunt just, well, my mother, my wife's aunt came over the other day. She has this old Android phone that must be like 11 years old, right? Like I even know how this thing even still works to this day. Like we should be using it to stir soup, not make phone calls and use the internet. <laughs> and there's no way anyone's ever going to, you know, keep that thing up to date. And unfortunately for her, she's just like, I don't want to spend money on a phone. And, they and, be free. They're, they're free to me. So why am I going to spend money? And by the way, these old phones often get donated to poor people, to the to the developing world, to veterans. Mm-hmm. So it and, and these people then do them for things, especially in places like Africa. Uh, they use it for microfinancing and for small businesses. And so they're particularly vulnerable when those are not being taken care of. And, and, and if you look at the OT market, if those companies go out of business, uh, hacks have happened because people were sitting in OT devices, even though their networks and systems were well taken care of. So that's, that's supply chain vulnerability, and it, it's not going to be closed off unless this is addressed. Yeah, Think about it, though, if, if, go, go ahead. No, please go. Go. All right, I'm going to hack an 11-year-old phone, right? Chances are this person doesn't have anything I want anyways. So at best, I'm going to use it for command and control to launch like a DDoS attack, I guess. Like, well, I don't understand. Like, you know what I mean? But that's part of that, though, right? I mean, you hack that kid's phone, and then you have access to the rest of the network, that wherever they're at. Well, you can go on Shodan, and you, yeah, yeah. you can go on Shodan and see just how many of these old operating systems and hardware are out there. And there's old stuff. In fact... Um, one of our colleagues, uh, Yaroslav Rosomachov, uh, was looking at Zscaler traffic, and he found that there were nearly 200 million transactions in a day that were from Windows 98. Like, <laughs> think about that. That's ancient stuff. It's mind-blowing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, <laughs> that's so the old stuff's lab. out there. That's, Chris, that's Chris's and Brian's lab, by the way. <laughs> that's so my VM pumping out. you got to discount that, yeah. <laughs> Junk traffic. <laughs> yeah. I remember. What do you mean by microfinancing, by the way? I'm not. Oh, so sure. so um, for a very small amount of money, um, small businesses in places in sub-Saharan Africa, for instance, or in the developing world, generally in Southeast Asia, Latin America, um, they can, for instance, fund a business that does groceries or does, um, you know, repairs or transportation for as little as a $50 loan or a $100 loan. They can get a business going and they can. Just with that kind of line of credit rotating, it's when I say micro, it's very, very small amounts of money. And there's not-for-profits that, that make these micro loans at small, small interest rates. Um, and a lot of it is empowered by mobile phones, right? So so banks, uh, so companies like Société Générale in France do this um, as a good example because they have a whole subsidiary that does that. It happens in India as well. So... This is how the bottom of the pyramid, as it's referred to, is going to be uplifted and be getting into the entrepreneurial game. And that's really exciting. But it also represents growing wealth and a potential target for these cyber criminals. They will move to where the ratio of easy to hack and yield over difficulty to hack and chance of getting caught has the greatest result. And the tragedy would be if as we're you know, helping the portion of, the, of, of our species that is in the greatest poverty as, as they are lifting themselves out of that poverty if cyber criminals and their massive enterprises went after them. 
Yeah, See, especially in these de- me. I hate developing you. <laughs> world. I don't think so. At least I'm thinking about this. I, you don't see me doing much about it yet, right? So uh, I'm with you. Yeah, in the developing world, they completely skipped over. They skipped over landline. They skipped over hardline internet. They just yeah, went to straight mobile. Straight to mobile. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. You could throw up a tower in the middle of a town and everyone gets internet. You don't have to roll out fiber to 300 households. It, it, or copper. I mean, well, even, yeah. yeah. Even in developed countries like like Japan, I think there's like the most mobile devices. Everything's pretty much wireless over there, right? There's no, they're not laying cables anymore. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, and 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 Japan at one point, uh, most people had multiple phones. Mm-hmm. It was just such a cheap commodity to have. Yeah. All right, for our last topic, and it'll be a rotating topic every week. This week, we're going to talk about any funny Fourth of July stories you guys might have. Since we just wrapped up celebrating Independence Day here in the U.S., you guys might have some funny stories. I've lived in the Bay Area most of my life, so we weren't as able to go crazy with M1000s or bottle rockets out here, but I've definitely seen some crazy videos. Every so often, a house or store would explode randomly, and the root cause was almost always in a legal fireworks factory or a storage facility. A friend of mine, when I was in high school, was living on 19th Avenue here in San Francisco, which is one of the main roads that goes through the city. And and one day when we were at school, the house next door just literally exploded, like it got lifted off its foundation. And they found out there was an illegal fireworks factory in the the basement of that house. And that house got demolished, and he couldn't go back home for months, unfortunately. We have a lot of those, too, but they're just meth labs. (laughs) <laughs> that's what i figured I, 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 for certain areas of the country we we don't have a ton of meth labs here but we do have a lot of illegal fireworks factories uh the, i have i have one um so a friend of mine out in western mass uh heard that we i deep fry a turkey every year right i do nice. it i do it at thanksgiving and then i'll drag it out again at christmas and then i'm usually tired of dealing with the oil yeah. and stuff so i don't do it again but i mentioned it and he went and bought one and he did this weekend he or this week rather he did it and he did not do his research right, and um, he put a frozen. Oh, did he put it in frozen? Put it in oh, frozen. <laughs> so oh, no. I, I haven't seen the video of it. I'm told his house did not burn down, but he did create a turkey mortar, from what I understand. Uh, so I'm, I'm. There is a video floating around, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. But I won't mention his name because it would embarrass him a bit. I think, but uh, yeah. Just, wow. just look for the flash of light. Yeah, just this uh, yeah. first turkey in space kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I didn't do anything exciting. I just watched, I think it was uh, Independence Day Resurrection. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. How was that? The, the, Will Smith was in that one, wasn't he? No, was he was in the first no, they Independence wrote, They wrote Day. him out, I remember. They wrote him out, yeah. I think the joke was, because in Resurgence, it, it's a father-son thing, right? It's like the father, Jeff Goldblum, and his son, and then it was someone else and their son. And then they said after Will Smith had that terrible movie, After Earth, with his real-life son, they said, we're never putting Will Smith and his son in another movie again. <laughs> Yeah, I just remember giving thanks to Bill Smith and Jeff Goldblum just for all their heroic activity back in 1996. Bill Paxton. Don't forget. Saved saved us with the virus. Yeah. 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 They did it. They did it. I don't really have any, like, I mean, I expect you of all people to have. I know. Like launching bottle rockets off of the, uh, off of the, uh, the truck while you're driving it on a, uh, going four wheeling someplace, dirt road. Yeah, yeah, I know. Like this Fourth of July, or just in general? Any, any. Um, <laughs> July. 
I guess so you I'll don't need a you. Fourth of July to celebrate, right, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we probably did some some wild things growing up. Nothing that kind of sticks out. And yeah, this year was kind of mild because everything like it hasn't rained here in in months. And so I, I feel like if I were to do anything, my luck would be set off start you know, a forest entire, fire or the whole neighborhood on fire. I will say that. Uh, <clears throat> well, I guess two things happened. One of them was my son's friend was uh, you know trying to light a firework off. But then he was pretending to smoke a cigarette, or it was something. It was like it was a torch thing, and they went to go light it, and they ended up lighting his hair on fire. So that was one thing. <laughs> but he was okay. And then the other one was last year. Uh, one of my buddies, he they they tried to go to bed early, doing the right thing. Uh, you know, they're downstairs, whatever. And then all of a sudden, the fire det- uh, fire alarms go off in the house. So the smoke detectors, excuse me, and someone launched one of the. Air, you know, aerial born type of fireworks went sideways, went through the wall of his house and into his kid's room and then detonated in there. Oh, and luckily man. his son didn't like have any loss of hearing or anything like that. So that wow. could have been really bad news, but, and he, and this dude is, he's scary looking, right? Like <laughs> he's lucky he didn't find out who actually did that. Cause I think he would have killed him. <laughs> wow. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of those videos, so I, I've seen those videos where they launch it and then it goes sideways and it goes into someone's apartment or a house or something or and, under a car <laughs> yeah so there's a video i sent you guys in the group chat i sent it to sam uh, separately so here in oakland someone threw what looked like an m1000 and for those of you who don't know what that is it's equivalent to like a not a full stick of dynamite but a half or a quarter stick of dynamite so it's an explosive device and they threw it into someone's pickup truck while the guy was inside and for some reason the guy closed the door instead of running away and the explosion was big enough to blow the door open so i'd don't know what happened to the guy, but he's probably at least deaf if he's still alive. I think it blew the window out of the car too, right? The probably did, yeah. Window. Yeah, that was pretty amazing. It looked pretty I, mild to me. I had I had systems I, growing up that would blow out windows all the time. So yeah, so I just remember being a little kid growing up in Hawaii. My brother and I, you know, we didn't have a lot of money, but the neighbors would just pop off thousands upon thousands of fireworks, long chains that go up at the, up around the house. Right? It's Hawaii, so there's no there's it's like a really big thing over there. And I remember my brother and I would always go search for for firecrackers that never got lit off or had a really short fuse. And we'd always have luck, like, you know, daisy chaining, you know, the, the un, unspent gunpowder together or the and then and then lighting the other one. Well, one time my brother was lighting it and I was just staring at him and we're just sitting next to each other and he lights it. He lights it. He couldn't get the lighter to go. And then he lit it and the thing went <laughs> like in his hand. I'm so glad my brother didn't lose his finger. I lose a finger from that. But oh, I sat there out. I, I couldn't hear anything for the next like the next three days. <laughs> we I'm sitting next to him. Oh, yeah. We used uh, to do yeah, such yeah. stupid stuff. We yeah. had the WD forty and lighter fights. Like this is yeah. just dumb, right? Yeah, like, we'd chase each other <laughs> with flamethrowers. <laughs> yeah, in the, but in, I, in the in a garage too. So it's yeah. like a closed environment. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I have a healthy re- survival. Wow, yeah. I have a healthy respect for for fireworks <laughs> ever <laughs> since that time. We, so, but we used to do the empty it out, make a big pile, and yeah, yeah, right. Like, and then like make a trail, and see it light just, up. You just gave me flashbacks. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's just crazy. How are we alive remember. today? How are we alive? I so it's, it's funny you mentioned smoke detectors, but my son and my daughter both have a phobia of alarms because the failure rate for new alarms who moved into a new house is actually very high. It's like twenty to thirty percent have faulty parts. And yeah. and it, the same is true of their friends. There's a very high degree of fear of alarms now. And they get alarm tests at school and half the kids come home shaking 
Um, so wow. I, my, my daughter actually has nightmares about alarms and she wakes up and goes, she doesn't know if it was real or if she dreamt it. I don't know if, but it's the youngest generation now is just exposed to constant testing, alarms, testing, you know, you know, the made, shelter made in, in place. China, faulty parts. But they have the shelter in place drills and stuff. So yeah. it, it, it's kids. extensive. I, yeah. I just go into my kids' room and wake them up every single morning, just violently shake them. There's a murderer <laughs> in the house. I'm going to get us. <laughs> and it's, you know. Let them know. Might, might be ready. Blood I never wanted to get up. My dad used to come with like a glass of cold water and be like, you got to get up. You know, like pour it over me. You know? uh, <laughs> Save it for my shrink. I know. I know. Yeah. Well, we continue to get great comments about our dad joke of the week. Oh, geez. Dad joke of the week. Here this we week, our guest Sam is up. High expectations, Sam. Yeah, yeah. I um. I know. I know I, I'll just jump into it. So, has anybody seen the band Dark Web? Have you guys seen it? No. No. It's funny because they're always on tour. Ah, uh, he <laughs> got a good one. There you uh, go. That's a good uh, one. Thank you. Wah, a good wah, one. Wah, wah. I, I have a second one if you want it. Um, we want them both. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. So, uh, so, so, what? So, you know, I tried to enter a new password. I tried to use the word beef stew, but it wasn't allowed. Do you know why? 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 wasn't strong it wasn't strong enough uh, all right all right wah, wah, wah. there we go not bad there, there you go bad. there you, you go got the I, I brought two because I, I was for sure i thought one of these somebody's heard so there you go yeah cool better than mine that's all i know shoot all right to wrap things up rebooting your phone is a good idea but you can also do more china is renting instead of buying banned computer chips iPhone for life, and don't play with fireworks. That's all I have for this week. You hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find us all on LinkedIn. Links will be in the description. Follow us on Instagram at Pepcac Podcast. Thank you to all our listeners and subscribers who raised five stars in the iTunes store and Spotify and left us a review. We appreciate you all spreading the word to help grow the show. The best way to find us is to search for the Pepcac Podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. Where it goes, Brian Deach and Glemdina, and our guest Sam Curry. I'm Chris Louie. Thanks for listening. See you all next weekend. As always, have a nice day. No relation to Steph Curry, right? So not, not at all. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> Thanks for coming, actually. Sam. There you go. Uh, yeah, you need to come back and like just do a whole episode on just the stuff that makes me want to crap my pants. <laughs> the, oops, the oops, token. oops, I cracked wow. my pants. Yeah, I got a bunch of that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Have a nice day. <laughs>